Welcome to the American University of Beirut. I'm Rami Khouri, journalist in residence at AUB, and this is Professors at Work, a weekly show where we interview AUB professors and scholars, explore the research work they're doing, and find out what they've discovered and what it means for our world. We're delighted to have as our guest today Dr. Sausan Abdelrahim, who is Associate Professor in the Faculty of Health Sciences and has worked widely in many areas related to refugees and women and adolescent girls and public health issues. Uh, Sausan, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to ask you about the current work, the most recent work you've been doing, which is focused very much on uh, adolescent refugee girls. So why did you choose that topic? What made you uh, look into this issue? And tell us what are the main findings so far that you've come up with? I've been working in this area for about three years, for the past three years. I, um, I think the topic chose me rather than me choosing the topic. I was invited by a couple of colleagues to contribute to a project that started out as a community-based participatory project with uh, refugees. And then slowly the topic of this research turned to examining early marriage among adolescent girls. At that time, a lot of NGOs, non-governmental organizations, and news reports have been writing and talking about the rise of an early marriage among Syrian refugee adolescents in Syrian communities in general, in Lebanon, Jordan, and Turkey. But always among Syrian refugees, not other communities? Among refugees, but the focus at that time was mainly on Syrian refugees. Mm -hmm. We started out with basically asking the question, is early marriage really high among Syrian refugee adolescents or not? And I just want to clarify, early marriage refers to marriage, whether it's like a formal union in some parts of the world, it can be in an informal union, not registered, where one of the parties is less than 18 years of age. Less than 18? Less than 18, okay. yes. Uh, most of the times it's the girl, the adolescent girl, but in some, in some places actually uh, these marriages also happen with both young girls and, and with 16, 17 year old boys. As and are they almost always arranged by the parents? Probably, in most cases they are arranged. Yes. Okay. And when, how did this catch your attention, this topic? So it, it attracted my attention because it linked, for me, it linked the issue of looking at women's health and agency with my main interest in public health, which is looking at how displacement, war and displa displacement affects population health and affects the decisions that populations make in order to maintain and improve their health. So we started out really asking, is early marriage really high among Syrian refugees. The reports and newspaper articles have been saying that it is high, and it, that it has increased tremendously since displacement, but we felt that the methodologies that were used to come up with uh, these numbers or these percentages were not rigorous. So we decided, uh, I decided along with a couple of my colleagues, one of them is Dr. Jocelyn de Jong in the Faculty of Health Sciences. We decided to start by actually gathering prevalence data, data to see really how prevalent, how common early marriage is in refugee populations. Of course, everything is determined by uh, resources, so we conducted a study with a small grant we received from UNFPA in a specific region in Bqa, in the Bqa region, which hosts a large number of 
Syrian refugees. Doing research with refugee populations that are dispersed and are difficult to reach is difficult, but we tried as much as possible to have as much rigorous methodology as possible. So the outcome of this study that we did showed that indeed early marriage is, is high among this population. We found out that almost 25% of girls between the age of 14 and 17 are married. 25%? And how does this compare to the normal Syrian population or the Lebanese population? Yes, so it is definitely much higher than uh, the rates of early marriage in Lebanon. Early marriage in Lebanon is very low and it's concentrated in certain pockets. In Syria, early marriage is higher than in Lebanon, but nonetheless, the early marriage rate among the refugees is also much higher than it was in Syria. In Syria, it was around 13%. So we see a difference between 13% in the Syrian general population before 2011 versus almost 25% among Syrian refugees um, in Bekaa. What we also found is that early marriage, because we asked about the mothers as well, and early marriage was very high among mothers as well. Mm -hmm. So this is something that's passed on from generation to generation? So if you see something like this, then you t start to think that the early marriage is cultural. Maybe it is influenced by displacement. However, um, early marriage was something that was not insignificant before uh, conflict, before the Syrian civil war and displacement. Could you compare to other refugee populations like Syrian refugees, Iraqi refugees, others? So we can compare to Palestinian refugees. Uh, in Lebanon, we can compare to Palestinian refugees from Syria who mm. came to Lebanon. And UNICEF in 2015 collected data from uh, three refugee populations, Palestinians in Lebanon, Syrians in Lebanon, and Palestinians from Syria in Lebanon. And uh, the rates of early marriage among the Syrian refugees is definitely much higher than the two Palestinian refugee uh, okay. groups. So based on this finding, we started planning to conduct intervention research. We decided that there's no reason to continue to collect data on early marriage. We've done a study that we feel comfortable with in terms of the rigor of the methodology that we used. And because we found out that early marriage is high, we felt that it is important to intervene and do something. So your aim is to actually try to bring down the percentage of early marriage. Absolutely, absolutely. Which is which is really a challenge because early marriage is driven by a lot of social conditions related to poverty, related to sense of insecurity, that if we don't deal, if we don't address these um, mm. structural factors, then it's really difficult to work with the girls themselves and tell them that early marriage is bad for you. Don't, you know, don't get married. Also, in many situations, the decision, decisions related to marriage of adolescents, these decisions are made by adults in the family, by the parents rather than the adolescent. Right. Not, not in all cases. I mean, we've, we can see a range of, I mean, in some of our other research, we see that sometimes adolescent girls uh, marry or elope against the wishes of their parents. Right. But in many cases, the parents right. impose the marriage or pressure the girl to get married. Do you have evidence that in other situations in the region or, or in the world, interventions like this can actually convince a lot of people not to go through with early marriages? You can bring the rate down? There is evidence from different parts of the world, from Bangladesh, Ethiopia, African countries, India. There is good evidence showing that programs that have multiple components that work with the girls but also work with the parents and work on, uh, in the area of advocacy 
can uh, reduce early marriage. One of the main main uh, interventions that can be done in any part of the world is is basically having um, uh, girls access education until they finish high school. Okay. Which is uh, basically one of the reasons why the age of marriage in the Arab region in the 1970s and 80s increased because public education was open to right. uh, to girls. Um, and they graduated from high school, and then marriage would happen after right. uh, age 18. However, there's almost no evidence related to uh, what works and what doesn't work to reduce early marriage in conflict situations. Okay. And there's in fact evidence that shows that sometimes, in some contexts, early marriage or early fertility increases after conflict and displacement, and in some cases, it decreases. Mm. So women in some conflict situations or displacement situations delay marriage and fertility and others they marry early right. um, and and the evidence highlights that the, the early marriage in these situations is driven by the need for protection mm -hmm. so you decided to develop an intervention and what was the aim and how did you go about doing it and what were the results? So we spent a lot of time actually a large group of researchers collaborated to develop uh, a plan for a pilot intervention uh, as a first step and the pilot intervention focused on girls who were refugee girls who were enrolled in in schools okay. so we thought as a first step we don't want to do so much we wanted to focus on girls who are in school who are actually at lower risk of early marriage uh, and focus in one town in the Bika, the town of Barilias, which had four four schools, two public schools, and one charity school, and one um, Malala school. So we started the design of this pilot intervention, which would include life skills interactive sessions with, with the adolescent girls themselves, but it would also include work with the mothers and the fathers as mm -hmm. well. The work with the girls and the work with the mothers progressed and, and worked fine. It was very difficult to actually engage the fathers we think it was because the fathers were working multiple jobs in order to provide for their families. We think that also uh, from a cultural point of view, the fathers felt that anything related to the daughters is, is something that the wife should handle, right. the mother should yeah. handle, not, not the father. And, and we only included unmarried girls who were enrolled in school. Right. Uh, it was a very interesting uh, pilot intervention. We learned a lot of lessons from the implementation of that intervention. We enrolled over 200 girls, wow. 210 girls in the intervention. And we actually, by the end of the intervention, which was around five to six months, by the end, uh, we had 178 girls who stayed in the intervention. Wow. And most of the ones who left the intervention um, actually had left Lebanon or left the Bekaa region. So if you were to look at the main results, what would you say are the most important things you learned from, from your intervention work? So the intervention actually was uh, very, very short and the pilot was designed to actually learn about how to do the intervention mm -hmm. uh, rather than to evaluate the impact of right. the intervention. We learned a lot in relationship to what the girls at that age, and, and I want to emphasize, sorry, I forgot to mention that the intervention focused on girls who were 11 to 14 years old. 11? 11 to 14. To 14, yes. very young. Uh, young, because our goal was to uh, prevent at a younger age than when the risk of early marriage starts to increase at age uh, wow. 15. One of the things we learned was that the communication between the daughters and the mothers 
did not address issues related to puberty and, and marriage, that the mothers felt embarrassed or didn't want to communicate with their daughters about these issues wow. and felt that the daughter will learn these things on her own anyways. Wow. Uh, so that was one of, uh, one of the things we learned. We, like I mentioned, we really don't have strong impact evaluation outcomes mm -hmm. uh, or outcome evaluation results because the intervention was short. Mm -hmm. So we can't, I mean, the 11-year-old uh, that started with us by the end of the intervention, she was 12. So we don't have results related to whether the intervention mm -hmm. reduced early marriage um, or not. But like I mentioned, we learned a lot of lessons about how to implement the intervention better in, in the next phase. And we received funding uh, from, uh, the Canadian, from a Canadian uh, funder to uh, design again and implement a larger intervention. Mm -hmm. And in this intervention, uh, we've decided to include girls who are in school and girls who have already dropped out of school mm -hmm. and to include married girls as well. Mm -hmm. The baseline, as, as you know, in any intervention, you need to collect baseline data mm -hmm. and then implement the intervention and collect endline data. The baseline data was started in the beginning of 2020. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, we basically collected baseline data from uh, parents, from the household, from the parents, and from the girls themselves. And then by the end of February, we actually had to halt, we had to stop data collection because the schools closed and we weren't allowed to, oh. to continue to uh, interact with the girls or to bring the girls on buses in, order to, mm -hmm. in, in a closed place in order to conduct the baseline. But we were able to complete baseline um, data collection with around 400, a little over 400 girls. Oh. Uh, our goal was 600 plus girls. One of the things that I want to mention relates to a discovery uh, or an, a result that we did not anticipate. We had some, some feeling from the pilot intervention that we needed to pay attention to the mental health of adolescent girls mm. and not only focus on early marriage and, and puberty. However, it was in the baseline of the actual intervention that we conducted in early 2020, where we were surprised, uh, even shocked, by the level of poor mental health among these young, young girls. And this is manifested in what, anxiety, depression, stress? So what we had is, in the baseline, we had a measure for mental health, for poor mental health. And one of the questions in the, in the measure asks if the girl has had thoughts about death. Wow. So, but the measure uh, assesses poor mental health, but also that question, specific question uh, on thoughts about death, is a red flag to tell us that there's something that we need to right. think about. Thankfully, because of our ethics review board required us to do, is if a girl said that she has thoughts about death, we have to pursue that and ask some questions in order to see if we need to refer the girl for professional counseling. Yeah. So what we did, what we found out from asking this question uh, about thoughts about death, it was really illuminating and should really be incorporated into the implementation of, of the real intervention. We found out actually that a large proportion of girls have thoughts about death because they are afraid of death, which is not as scary as thoughts about death meaning that the girl is thinking about right. harming herself. But nonetheless, it's, it's also important to address why girls at that age are so afraid of death. Of course, for a refugee population that has experienced uh, war and displacement, 
a lot of the girls mentioned that they are afraid that some members of their family would die Oof. or that they've actually experienced a loved one uh, dying. But also we found that the girls are afraid of death because of some of the religious teachings that they've been receiving that, that talk about death and what happens after death and heaven and hell. And so these young girls actually think about these things and they, wow. they are scared uh, by them. But what we found with respect to girls who have actually said that they contemplate harming themselves, we found that these, these feelings are precipitated by really difficult circumstances that the girls are going through uh, because of the fact that they are refugees, because of the fact that they live in, in families where the father has lost the means of livelihood or jobs, because in many cases the girls uh, who don't attend school talked about being home all day, um, not having anything to do, feeling desperate and helpless. Um, in these situations. And finally, we found you know, that among a very, very small uh, number of girls we've talked with about thoughts about death, that there are a few who have actually attempted to harm themselves. Wow. And there's something that we are exploring further, uh, the way in which girls in, at that age um, harm themselves in a, way, in a manner that is not visible right. yeah. um, to the parent or to someone. Wow. Um, so we've almost run out of time. So if you take this work with other related studies you've done, uh, possibly, what, what do you what do you conclude are the main lessons you've learned that could be useful for other researchers, for public policymakers, for refugee management specialists, whatever, the people dealing with refugees. What are the real um, outcomes that others can benefit from? Maybe I can summarize with two points. The first point is that in addressing early marriage, it's important to think or to treat these young girls as, uh, as agents of change themselves and not think of them as passive victims. Mm -hmm. And I think any intervention that uh, seeks to work with young girls uh, you know, or boys even need to keep that in mind and, and not focus only on disseminating knowledge and, and awareness, but to actually uh, try to work with these young girls and, and learn from them and in that learning process actually respond to their needs in, in any intervention. The other important thing that I'm, I'm more, I mean, I've had this, uh, I've thought like this in the past, but this is reinforced more following my research with refugees and um, on early marriage, is that the health outcomes related to refugee girls or women cannot be understood or studied without really thinking about the structural context. Uh, the structural context related to displacement, poverty, insecurity, but also the structural context in, in relationship to patriarchy and the role of, of these girls in, in refugee families and in, in society um, yeah. as a whole. Wow. Those are a lot of important issues and they're going to be with us for many years, I'm sure, unfortunately. But Dr. Sosun Abdurrahim, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And we will follow this up, I'm sure, in the years ahead. Thanks. That's it for today's uh, Professors at Work, where we discuss research that AUB professors are doing and what they're finding and how this helps us create a better world for everybody. Thank you for being with us. Join us again next week.